Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. Which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you on today. We cannot do it without you today. Father, I thank you that I have been, we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Colossians. And let's hear what the Lord has to say unto the church on today. The book of Colossians, the third chapter. And I will be reading from verse 1 until verse 4. Colossians, the third, the third chapter, ver- chap- verses 1 through verse 4. And when we get there, let us say, Amen. Amen, Amen. amen. The word of God now reads, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The expanded Bible reads, Therefore, since you were raised from the dead, raised with Christ, aim at, expire to, seek after, focus on what's in heaven, The things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Think only about, set your minds on, fix your thoughts on the things in heaven above, not the things on the earth. For your old sinful self has died and your new life is kept hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, comes again, appears, is revealed, you will share in his glory. You may be seated. I want to talk about today, keeping your mind set. Keeping your mind set. I don't know about you, but sometimes my mind fluctuates. (laughs) I don't know about you, but sometimes my mind fluctuates, and I have to bring it back to the position that I have with Christ. And I believe all of us in this place, our mind fluctuates every now and then. And it fluctuates, it's because it's not fully set. When your mind is fully set, Even though it may drift just a little, you can bring it back where it's supposed to be. This is why we have to stay in the word of God to keep our mind set. Our mind have to be set. And I'm going to say it again. Our minds have to be set. But in that first part of the verse, it says, therefore, since you was raised from the dead with Christ. I'm going to talk about that a little bit before we get into um, our minds being set. You have to know what happened during the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you have to know your position now that you're in Christ. And I think the reason why we go through so much in our lives and we continually go through that same situation is because we really don't know who we are. 
When you know who you are, you can keep your mindset. When you don't know your position or who you are, your mind will go all over the place and you're trying to find what position you hold. So the first thing I want to talk about is Jesus' death. We have to understand why Jesus died. Sin separated us from God. And being that sin separated us from God, God hid his face from us. We could not approach God because of our sins. And sin had, sins had to be dealt with. Sin had to be dealt with. And there was nobody that God could find to deal with sin except himself. And it was through, through his son. But I want to go back to Moses and that tabernacle and the things that God set up for his people. God had to let people see sin because they lived in sin so much they didn't recognize it was sin. And some of us today are living in some areas of our lives that we have lived in so long, we do not recognize it as being sin no more. We just do it because it has become so much a part of us, we think it's right. But this is why you have to go in the word of God. You have to know what the word of God is saying to you in order to live that new life you have in Christ. So when we look at you know, sin, we have to look at it for what it is. It separated us from God. It started back with Adam. It started when Adam was disobedient in that God garden. God gave him one command. It was only one command that he gave them to keep. Do not eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you eat from that tree, you shall surely die. This was a promise. But God gave him a command and he wanted them to choose between death and he wanted them to choose between life. They were living a good life in that garden. But how many know that the enemy wants you to think that you are not living your best life? He wants you to think that there is more. And the reason why he wants you to think that is because he wants you to go outside of God's will and God's plan for your life. So we know that they ate from that tree. By them eating from that tree, by them being disobedient, sin came into the world. The sins came in through Adam. So being that it came in through one man, through Adam, that means that we were a part of Adam even though we weren't there. We were in Adam when Adam sinned. So by us being in Adam, when death came because of sin, the wages of sin is what? It is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So death came through Adam. So sin had to be dealt with. So God came down off of his throne because he had to have a perfect lamb. He had to have a lamb without spot, without blemish. That's why the Bible said he who knew no sin became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God through him. The only way that we could be put in right standing with God was through Jesus Christ. So when you look at us being in Adam, when Adam sinned, we was already in Adam, even though we wasn't born. We were in Adam. But being that God sent his son, Jesus, when Jesus was on that cross, we were in Jesus, even though we wasn't even thought about. 
we were already in Jesus. So when you see in the Bible, when it says in Christ, that means that we were in him doing his death, burial, and his resurrection. When you look at what they had to do to atone for their sins, I love the scripture that says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. When they came to that gate, before they would go into the courts, they had thanksgiving because they were bringing a spotless lamb. They was bringing a lamb without blemish. They was bringing a perfect lamb. So when they got to that gate, they were so thankful because they knew they had a perfect lamb that was going to die on their behalf. So when they got to the gate, they were giving thanks for that. Think about us today. How many of us still give thanks? For Jesus, for what Jesus have done for our lives. Every day we should give thanks unto him because we know it should have been us. Because he who knew no sin became sin for us. So when they got to the gate, they was at the gate giving thanks for that lamb. But then they entered the courts. And when they entered the courts, they entered the courts with praise because they knew that they had that perfect lamb and they were able to enter those courts. So the Bible say, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. So when you enter those courts with praise and you're praising his name, you're praising him because you know what he has done for you and you didn't deserve it. So when they laid that lamb down to be crucified, I want you to hold on to this part. When we look at Jesus, we got to see the blood first. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. So blood had to be shed first. See, you got the blood and then you got the cross. I'm going somewhere. See, you got to have a separation between the two. There is the blood and then there is the cross. See, that blood had to be shed for sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So when you saw Jesus on that cross, and it was blood everywhere, from the top to the bottom, there was nothing but blood. That blood that was shed was for the sins of the whole world. So the blood had to be shed. The blood was for our redemption. The blood was for our reconciliation. The blood was for our sanctification. The blood was for our justification. The blood was to put us in right standing with God. What was the blood really for? For God to see. For God to see. It was for God to see that sins were taken care of by the blood. So sin was taken care of by the blood. So remember in Exodus, when um, God said, when I see the blood, the death angel will pass you by. So the blood was for God to see. Y'all got to understand what I'm saying. The blood was for God to see, for the people to know that God had already taken into account the blood that done away from sin. So there's no more separation. Let's start right there. When God saw the blood, he knew that Jesus had taken care of sin. So we can approach God because of the blood. So when you hear people say, I plead, I plead the blood. They're not pleading the blood to get nothing done. 
They're pleading the blood because they know what was already done. So when the devil come at you and he's knocking at your door, you can say, devil, I plead the blood because I know what the blood has done on my behalf. I plead the blood because the blood has healed me. The blood has delivered me. The blood has set me free. I plead the blood because the blood has put me in right standing with God. So when you accuse me before God, God say, who can lay a charge? Against my elect because the blood has already justified. The devil is an accuser. Night and day. He go to God to accuse us, but God says the blood is already satisfied. The blood has already done what it need to do. So what you doing don't mean nothing, Satan. So God knew. He said, I know what the blood has already done. So this is what we have to know. The enemy don't want you to know what the blood has already done. Don't plead the blood because you're scared. You plead the blood because you're saying, devil, I know what is done for me. So the devil tried to accuse. He tried to bring condemnation. But when you know your position, when you know that God has already, he see the blood. God sees Jesus' blood and it's on the mercy seat crying, mercy, mercy. He's given us new mercy every day. So that's what the blood does, y'all. You don't have to every day go in your house, I bleed, I bleed. You're being scared. When you know what the blood has done, you tell the devil, I already know what the blood has done. But you're trying to make me think the blood has not justified me. You're trying to make me think that the blood has not sanctified me. You're trying to make me think that the blood has not reconciled me. I have peace with God because of the blood. I can go boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy in my time of need because of the blood. So that's the blood part of it, y'all. So you got to understand, Jesus' blood was not shed for no reason. When you understand what the blood has done, this is why they sprinkled the blood everywhere. When they sprinkled it upon what the um, things in the tabernacle, everything was cleansed, what? By the blood. So we got to understand what the blood does. When God sees the blood, death passes you by. But then we look at, His death, so we know that Jesus died, but let's look at the cross now. So we look at the blood, what it did, it took away the sins. So sins are not, sin is not keeping us from getting to heaven. This is what people are missing. Sin was dealt with over 2,000 years ago. Rejecting Jesus is what keeps you from heaven. Not your sins, because Jesus paid the price of redemption for your sins. But next, it is the cross. Now we look at the blood. But Jesus was crucified, what? On that cross. Sins were dealt with. Now the body of sin have to be dealt with. The body of sin, not that flesh body, but the body of sin, which is that sin nature that was controlling you, that was compelling you, that was drawing you to sin. When God commandment told you not to do something, that sin nature in you compelled you to do what God told you not to do. So that had to be crucified. 
It had to be put on that uh, altar. It had to be burnt up. This is why Jesus was crucified. So then he was buried, y'all. He was buried, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He died. He was buried. So when Jesus was buried, we were buried with him. So that old man that compelled us, that drove us to sin, it died. I want y'all to understand this. You had old man in you. An old sin nature in you that was compelling you, that was driving you to sin. Even when you didn't want to do it, you were just compelled to do it. And I guess some of you are saying now, well, why am I still doing what I'm doing if that old nature is dead? Because you got to deal with your mindset. You got to deal with your way of thinking now. Because that old man is dead. That old sinful nature is dead. So now what he wants us to look at is... The new life, when Christ rose from the dead, we rose with him in a new life. So that's what our focus is on, the new life now that we have in Christ. Our focus should be on who we are now that we're in Christ. Who we are now that we're in Christ. Let's go back to Paul in Galatians 2.20. What does the word of God say there? It says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. The part that's been crucified is that old nature. That, that sin nature that was compelling you, that was drawing you to sin. That's crucified. That's done away with. He said, in him, I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live. You got to see that old nature. That old sinful nature that was compelling you, that was drawing you, that was driving you to sin, it's dead. It's done away with. Now Paul begins to say, but Christ the Messiah lives in me and the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, to, and reliance on and complete trust in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You got to see your new life. You got to see who you are now that you're in Christ. The enemy is going to bring false accusations. He's going to bring things at you that you used to do or how you used to do this or how you used to do that. This is why your mind has to be renewed. See, this is nothing to play with. Some of us have gotten saved and we just stopped. We say, okay, I'm missing help. I'm okay. But your lifestyle have to line up with who you are. And the only way that lifestyle can line up to who you are is through the word of God. But I want to back up just a little bit because I want to talk about Romans the 6th chapter. Go with me to Romans the 6th chapter. And I'm going to begin at verse 1. Listen at this, what Paul was saying. So what then shall we say? Do you think we should? Shall we continue sinning so that God will give us even more grace? That grace may increase, abound? No, absolutely not. May it never be. So look at what Paul was saying. Paul was teaching on God's grace, his unearned, his unmerited favor. It was something we didn't have to work for. It was something we did not have to earn. Because the Bible said, for by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is what? The gift of God. So we know it was nothing that we had to do, nothing that we had to work for. But the problem is people are flashing grace cards. They're thinking because God has forgiven us 
of all of our sins. That means for past, present, and future sins. God don't look at those sins no more. God don't even remember them. Isn't that something? When God done away with sins, he don't even remember those sins no more. When Jesus paid the price for sin, the Bible said once and for all, he sat down on the right hand of God. The priests, when they were in the tabernacle, they had to continually stand day by day for these sacrifices. But when Jesus made that one and only sacrifice for eternal redemption, he sat down. And our position with him is sitting down with him on the right hand of God. Above principalities and powers and spirits of wickedness in high places. We are above them. So we need to know our position now that we are in Christ. So he sat down. It is finished. When he said it's finished, it is finished. But we don't use grace to keep sinning. The reason why we don't want to sin is because we know what he done. This is why you have the Holy Spirit to remind you of who you are now that you're in Christ, to remind you of your righteous um, place, your, your position now that you're in Christ. You are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So this is why you need to get into the word of God, find out who you are, so you will not keep doing what you were doing. Even though that sin nature is dead, It left behind some habits. It left behind some way of doing things. So that's why your mind has to be renewed. So we see here, he said that even though God has given us more grace, we don't keep sinning. Absolutely not. We died to our old sinful lives. Sin. So how can we continue living with sin? Did you forget? Don't you know that all of us who become a part of Christ when we were baptized, were baptized into Christ Jesus, shared his death in baptism. Let me explain this baptism. When we're baptized into Christ, some people use this. If you don't go up under the water, be baptized, water baptized, you're not saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because there, there's a doctrine of baptism. When you look at the doctrine of uh, baptism, it's in Hebrews 6, 2. It tells you about the doctrine of baptisms. It's more than one baptism. The first baptism that we're going to deal with is the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Matthew 3, 11. It talks about Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, okay, John was talking about Jesus and how he was going to come and be the baptizer. Jesus is the baptizer when it comes to the Holy Spirit coming upon you. He's the one that baptized you. Then you have the Holy Spirit as the baptizer who baptizes you into the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. I believe it's verse 13. So he's the one, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and power. That's two baptisms. So the day that you get born again, you are baptized into Jesus. You are baptized into the body of Christ. And you do not have to be dipped to say that you're saved. The only reason why you getting dipped and water baptized is symbolic to let people know I have accepted the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when I come up out of this water, I'm coming up in a new life of Jesus Christ. All has gone. Behold, here is the new. 
So there's a difference. And people are teaching that you have to be water baptized in order to be saved. You don't. Because if you died today and never was dipped, that does not mean you're going to hell. So you got to know what the word is saying because people are telling you this. But that is something that we do symbolic because the word does tell us baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the Holy Ghost. When you're doing that, you're saying, I'm leaving the old behind. I have left the old behind. I've been buried with Christ. Going up under that water is saying, I've been buried with Christ and I'm coming up in a new life in Christ Jesus. So you got to know your position. You got to know what the word of God is saying to you because some people think if I don't get baptized, I'm going to hell. That's a false statement. Know what the word of God is saying. So Jesus, we, we learned that Jesus baptizes us with the power of the Holy Ghost, with fire. That's Jesus. Then you got the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into the body of Christ. Amen. So we have to know our position Going back to this, being that we know our position, let me read something to you in Romans 6, 6. This is what we have to know. And this is the problem in the body of Christ. We know that our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves of sin. Remember I told you that that body of sin had to be dealt with? That was that body that was crucified on the cross. The cross, the crucifixion, dealt with that body of sin that was controlling us, compelling us, driving us to sin. We have to know that that has been done away with. You have to know this. And when you know this, when the devil comes and try to accuse you, try to bring false accusations upon you, you can say, I know who I am. I know that I'm in Christ. And being that I'm in Christ, I am a heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything that he has belongs to me. So you got to know your position now that you're in Christ. And this is why Paul said, I have been crucified. I have been. Meaning this happened a long time ago. Even before Paul came in on the scene, he had already been crucified with Christ. He had already been buried with Christ. We were in Christ when he was on the cross. Everything that Christ represented, the death, burial, and resurrection, we were already there. Wasn't even born. I'm going to take you back to, remember I said we were in Adam and we wasn't even born. We were in Adam. And this is why sin um, came upon the whole world because we were already in Adam. When we go to Abraham, remember Abraham, we were in Abraham. We were a part of Abraham, y'all. When you look at um, Melchizedek, when he was giving him the, the 10%, this is what Abraham come up with. Catch this. This was coming from Abraham's heart to give him 10% of his spoils. This come from the heart of Abraham. Now, the people, the descendants that were not even born, they were in the loins of Abraham. Now, go back to the 10% dealing with them. They were only doing what Abraham done 
but they were not even there with Abraham. That was coming from Abraham's heart. But people are using 10% to say this is what you give, but you actually give from your heart. Abraham gave from his heart. So that's how we give today, from our heart. And the, if your heart is right before God, it would be above 10%. You do what your heart tells you, and the more you spend time with God, you're going to go beyond what the enemy will want you to do. Amen? Amen? So we see that they were in Abraham. His descendants was in him even before they were born. So whatever the covenant was with Abraham, they already was a part of that covenant, and they weren't even born yet, just like Jesus. We are in Jesus, so whatever belonged to Jesus, guess what? It belongs to us. So Paul knew I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but guess what? It's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died for me and who loved me. So what was Paul saying? He said, my dependence, my reliance is on God. It's not on me. It's not on how I think. It's not on how I feel. It's not on what appears to be. My faith is in him. I'm living by the faith of the son of God. So Paul didn't look to him. He looked to Jesus. Jesus didn't look to him. He looked to God. Everything that Jesus did, he did what his father did. He said, I see what my father sees and that's what I do. He said, whatever you hear the father say, this is what he say. So Jesus had a connection so much with the father. Whatever the father did, that's what he did. And this is why you saw so many miracles. This is why when things seemed like it was so hard, when things looked like it was so impossible, only thing Jesus did is doing what the father did and there was a miracle. But what we do today, we depend on us. Well, I don't know how this is going to happen. We go back to Mary and Zacharias. Look at Zacharias. Zacharias, he doubted God. He knew he was too old to have a child, so he doubted God. Guess what God did? He shut his mouth. He said, you're not going to be able to open your mouth until this child come forth because he doubted God. But Mary didn't doubt God. She said, you know, be it unto me according to your word. So she got that promise. Because she trusted God because of what God said. So when we're in Christ, we have to trust him. We have to lean and depend on him according to John 15. Guess what? He's divine. We're the branches. If we abide in him, his word abide in us, then we can ask what we will and it shall be given unto us. To abide means to remain. That means everything that he does, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold on to that vine. I'm not going to let that um, vine go because I know without that vine, I'm nothing. I'm the branch. When I let go of that vine, I'm going to die. And this is what the enemy wants. He don't want you to hold on to the things of God. He wants you to hold on to the things of the world. So in Colossians, it said, if then you were risen with Christ, if then you were risen with Christ. So you got to know that first and foremost, before you can even go on with the next part of that verse, you got to know that you have a new life now that you're in Christ. When you know that you have a new life now that you're in Christ, it says, seek those things which are above. Now that I know that I have risen with Christ, I have to seek 
those things that are above that got to aim, scribe after the things that are above, the things that are in where heaven. When I seek a thing, that's what I'm, I'm aiming for. Have you ever been um, looking for something? And your mind is just set on finding what you're looking for. You're seeking, you're seeking, you're seeking, you're aiming. Because you're saying, I know it's here somewhere. I'm not going to give up until I find it. So when you're seeking things that are above, you're aiming, you're striving after those things. You're not giving up. You're persevering. You're saying, you know what, God, I'm going to stay right here because I know if I seek, Things that are above, I'm going to get things that is coming from heaven and not things that are coming from this earth. So we want to seek after things that are above. Do not let the enemy fool you. I was listening um, to something on um, YouTube that had popped up. And I said, let me, let me hear this and see what's going on. It was this minister, and some of y'all may have seen it. And it was his wife, and they were talking about ministry. But what they were talking about in ministry... This man was going through some challenges. And this man was saying that he never wanted to preach. This is what he never wanted to do. But he said, God put him in that place. And I disagree. I disagree. He said, God put him in that place. Meaning that he didn't want to do it. So God threw him out there and let him start preaching to a lot of people. Knowing that that's not what he wanted to do. But. Y'all know in Matthew, the fourth chapter, it talked about how the devil took Jesus on that pinnacle and told him to look at everything that was in the world and he'll give him all of these things. But Jesus wouldn't accept it. This is what this man did. He used God to say it was God, but it was actually the devil. So he went through a lot of challenges. He did a lot of things in his marriage. He went through some things. So he was opening up for real his heart. And this is what he was saying. He don't give a D. About what people say about him. He was cussing. He said the problem was I didn't want to do this. I didn't even want my marriage. So I did everything I can do to even mess that up. That's not what I wanted. He said the reason I chose you is because you were pure. He said but I could have any woman I wanted to have sex with. He said but I chose you because you were pure. And then he got to. To the point of, he said, the only reason that y'all wanted me to keep going on is because y'all wanted the money. I mean, he was laying it down. He was telling things that was coming really from his heart. And then he cussed again and said the H word. And then he said, you know what? I done cussed, done used the D word and the H word, but this is just how I feel. She said, well, what about your family? He said, I'm trying to tell you. He said, I'm trying to tell you, I didn't want this marriage. Well, I want to help you. He said, you can't help me. He said, you can't help me. You were trying to help me, but you cannot be the one to help me. So basically he was saying, y'all helping me because you want the money. He said, but it ain't about the money. People was not seeing my pain. They were not seeing my hurt. And And he was like, I'm still hurting. He said, I'm going to these counselors that's in the church. And I'm end up speaking to them prophetically and leaving out the same way. He says, so that ain't helping me. The oil and the deliverance ain't helping me. This is just who I am. Now you know. He telling it all. He telling everything that people that was following him, ten thousands of people 
sitting up under him. And some of y'all probably was watching him saying amen. All of this was coming out because he was revealing his heart. But guess what? I was giving God glory. You know why? I said, because now God can deal with you. Because you're telling the truth openly. You're telling it like, and it got to the point that he laid everything down to that wife. She said, I don't give a D what people think about me either. Come on now. This is, this is on YouTube. Some of you probably asked me at the end of the service, who was that? I know you're going to ask me. I want you to pull it up and I want you to hear it for yourself and pray for this man because this man seriously needs help. But he was still in the pulpit, still encouraging people and saying that was not my lot. That's not what I wanted to do. So what am I saying? He really don't know. His new life. He don't know the new life that he has in Christ. They don't know the new life. What they're trying to keep up with is ratings. They want the money. They want people to see them. And this is what's happening now when it comes to ministers. People want, ministers want people to see them. He said, you got so many people holding on to these pastors. Waiting on these pastors to do something for them. And they're making them idols. This is why I tell Miracle Temple, you ain't holding on to my coattail. I'm teaching you what the word of God says. So when you call me, I'm going to say, what did God say? Come on, you come in here Tuesdays and on Sundays. You're supposed to be grabbing the word for yourself. A pastor and whoever God has put over you and you sitting up under is not to babysit you. It's for them to let you know the fivefold who you are now that you're in Christ and for you to live that new life. It is not for nobody to hold on to no pastor or no one. They teach you from the word of God. They give you the guidance. They watch over you, but they don't babysit you. It's time for the church to grow up. It's time for the church to really get in position, y'all. This is no game. God told y'all several times that God is going to expose. He said he's going to expose. He's going to openly expose those. You're going to see the ones on television. They're going to be openly exposed. And there's more to come. And people are going to need somewhere to go. Because people are hurt, y'all. They are hurting because they put faith in a man. You cannot put trust in no man. I don't care how many scholarships they got. I don't care how much money they got. You're supposed to put faith in God. You don't supposed to have no man or no woman as an idol. And if anybody allow you to idolize them, it's not right. If anybody allow you to put them before God, it's not right. I remember... There was a young lady who was going here a while back and long time ago. And her husband had called me and I said, oh, Lord, what in the world going on now? And I said, oh, what to do? He said, no, you didn't do anything. He said, I heard one of your teachings. I said, oh, you did. He said, I heard the teaching where you were telling them that if they don't cook for their husbands, they don't need to cook for you. And if they don't do at home, 
the way they need to do at home, they don't need to come in the church and do. He said, and I'm here to tell you, you teaching truth, but it ain't happening in my home. He said, because I know you teaching right, but what you teaching ain't coming home. See, this is why when you stand on this pulpit, you don't just stand on this pulpit to get applause. You're standing as a messenger, as an instrument that God is using for his glory, not for you to be glorified. This is why I know so many people are out of position because they want, they got to see me, hear me, be attached to me syndrome. They want people to see them, hear them, and be attached to them. And it's not about them. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And when you put Jesus ahead of everything, everything, things will always work out on your behalf. Because he know your heart. He know that he's being glorified. So we need to know our position now that we're in him. You do not do things outside of the will of God. This is why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his way of doing things. That means his righteousness, his way of doing things. And all of these things shall be added unto you. What things were he talking about? He said, your clothes, your food, the things that you're in the need of. He said, all of these, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you shall eat or what you shall drink or how you shall be clothed. He said, the Gentiles... The heathens, they're the ones that worry about these things, but you're a part of the kingdom. And if you're a part of the kingdom, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, you should know you already have these things. Do you know you already have a pair of shoes before you get them? Because the Bible says that even when they were in the wilderness, their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Why? Because they had Jehovah Jireh. They had a provider with them. God supplied every need. So why are we so out of place in the church? The reason why we're out of place because we're still trying to grab stuff. We're still trying to go after worldly stuff instead of trusting in God. When we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding and acknowledge him in all of our ways, the Bible says he will direct our paths. That means whatever direction I want to go in, when I put God first, when I'm seeking the kingdom first, even when there's no gas in my car, God is going to touch somebody's heart for me to go in that direction because he know that I'm putting him first. That I'm putting his kingdom first and foremost. That's holding on to the vine. That's not letting go of that vine. When we have things in our hands and we're holding it so tight because we're afraid we may not have anything, you're not trusting the vine. You're not trusting God. You're trusting in your ability. You're trusting in your way of being and your way of doing. But when you let go of those things and say, God, everything I have belongs to you. I'm just a steward over what you have given me. God, I place it at your feet. Whatever you want me to do with what I have, that's what I'm going to do. And that's how you live. So we have to look at, we still at that first verse. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Are you seeking things that are above? If you're not seeking things that are above, it's because you don't know that you've been raised. I'm going to say it again. If you're not seeking those things that are above, 
you don't know that you have been raised with Christ. I'm going to say it again. If you're not seeking those things which are above, you don't know that you've been raised with Christ in a new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. That old nature has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why have they become new? Because I'm in Christ. And I have a new life now that I'm in Christ. I've been raised with Christ to this new life. So being that I have been raised to Christ with this new life, I I'm go, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want y'all to catch it. I am seeking those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Where Christ is seated, I am sitting. I am sitting right there with Christ. At the right hand of God. Wherever Christ is, that's where I am. You got to know your position. Y'all, that's that first verse. We can't even go to the second verse until you get the first one. You got to know that you have been raised with Christ. And if you know that you have been raised with Christ, I'm going to seek. I'm going to aim after heavenly things. I'm going to aim after things that are above. I got to stay there. If you know that you have been raised with Christ, do you know that you have been raised in a new life with Christ? If you know that, you're going to start seeking that new way of doing. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to stay here until the Holy Spirit allows me to move. If you know that you have been raised with Christ, you're going to start seeking, aiming after, striving after things that are. You're going to start aiming after, striving after things that are. Things that are. If you know you've been raised. If you don't know you've been raised, you're going to still seek what the world You're going to still try to do it the world's way and you're going to think that's working for you. But I'm here to tell you it's not. Because this very man who was seeking worldly stuff, trying to do everything that the world was doing to bring in the money but using God. So he see where he is now. And then he said, I should, I wanted to die. I didn't want to live. I wanted to die. I didn't want to be in the marriage. He just told it all. And cussing while he telling it. He just letting it all out. But the wife thought she could save him. She said when you were laying there. I was laying there with you. Because we're one. He said but you don't understand what I'm going through. The only one that can give me this peace. That I need is God. And he's at the point now. It's like he don't even want God to give it to him. He said because. When he started cussing. He said this is who I am. He bringing out the real person. See, you got to know what's behind a person. This is why God give you discerning of spirits. Everybody that's singing Christian songs don't mean they save. I remember when this rapper came out and he was singing. He was all over the place praising God. People were so happy. They were applauding him. They're saying he's saved. I said, no, he need to go somewhere and sit down and he need to get saved. But everybody was saying how saved he was. And then I saw a Christian woman on Facebook and she up there just dancing to I said, please, don't y'all know the devil when you see him? What happened to this man? 
Now, I know y'all know who that is. Then you're having one on the BET Awards. You're going to bow down. The lamb and the lion going to bow down to the goat. The goat is Satan. Why would you let that come out of your mouth and you're supposed to be serving God? The lamb and, and the lion going to bow down to the goat. The goat is Satan. You got to pay attention to whom you are following. You got to pay attention to whom you are listening to. Because music, remember Lucifer, which is now Satan, he had pipes within him. He know how to stir people up with music. So every song that come out, you better be listening to that song spiritually. Because you will have that, that atmosphere in your house and you will be thinking, oh, that made me feel so good. God is in here and God wasn't even a part of it. Then you sharing it with somebody else, you bringing the devil in their house. You better know what you're doing. You better listen to the spirit. Some things we just grab a hold to. You know why? Because we got mixed emotions. Our emotions are so mixed up. We don't know if it's dealing with God or if it's dealing with the devil. It's just dealing with how I feel. That song just touched me. Because it's dealing with how I feel. But you got to know what's in that song. Listen carefully to that song and ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is this song of God or is this song of the devil? So we have to know the difference. So the Bible says, if then you are raised with Christ, do you know that you were raised with him? Do you know that you were raised with him in a new life? And he said, now that you know that you were raised with him, now you can seek those things that are above. Now let's go to verse 2. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now that we know we can seek those things. He says, set your mind. In the Bible, it has affections. That means mind. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So he's saying, being that you know that you were raised with Christ, you can seek those things which are above, but now your mind has to be set on those things that you've been seeking from above. Now set your mind on things which are above. You have to set your mind, keep your mind set on things that are above. There are two minds. There's the fleshly mind and there's the spiritual mind. Go with me to Romans chapter 8 and let's talk about these two minds. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. You hear that? Those who live, did you know you can live according to the flesh? Did you know you can live according to how your flesh feel? If your flesh want um, Coca-Cola 24-7, that's how you're going to live. You're going to get that flesh, that Coca-Cola, even though you know that Coca-Cola ain't good for you. If that flesh want pornography, if that flesh want um, anything that it wants, that's what you're going to do. So it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Imagine your mind being set on fleshly things. If it is set, guess what's going to happen? When somebody gives you something spiritual, you ain't going to accept it like that. It's going to be hard for you to accept something spiritual because your mind was so set on what you believed. 
But those who live according to the spirit, listen to this, you are a spirit being. Remember, you're seeking, you're scribing after things that are above. Why? Because you are a spirit being. It said those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. To be fleshly minded, see, is death. When you got your mind on fleshly things, now it may make you feel good. You know, having sex outside of marriage may make you feel good. That's flesh. Doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing may make you feel good. But guess what it represents? Death. It represents death. But to be spiritually minded, when you're doing things according to the spirit, according to the word of God, he said, my words are what? Spirit and they are life. So when you're doing things according to the spirit, what are you going to get? Life and peace. You're going to have that life and peace. But when you're in the flesh, when you're doing things fleshly, the way of the flesh, the way of the world, you're going to get death. Have you ever been in a situation of worry? That you worry so much you don't have peace. You in the flesh. When you worry so much and you walk in the floor, you in the f- you in the flesh. You're not having the peace of God. You're not having the life of God because he said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth unto you. Then he says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let your heart be afraid, right? Neither be afraid. So when we're having life and peace, we're not going to be afraid even in the midst of the storm. See, God's peace, even when my finances are towed up. If I got God's peace, I'm not worried about those finances because I know God got me. I'm not trying to figure out how I'm going to pay this or how I'm going to pay that because I know God got me. I got peace even in the midst of the storm. So that's God's peace. The world peace says it got to calm down before I can have peace. The peace that God give us is a part of us. It's a part of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. That means that peace is always available for me, no matter what situation it is. It's always what? Available for me. I can be in perfect peace. Why? Because the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. And then it tells you, but through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request made known unto God. Then here's the peace. Then the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and your mind through who? Through Christ Jesus. The kind of peace I want is God's kind of peace. I want the kind of peace that when any storm come, I'm in the storm, but I got peace while I'm riding through it. See, some of us don't want to ride through a storm. We just want the storm to get over with. But while we're in the storm and we got peace, we know God is ready in the midst of the storm. This is why when they were on the boat and those disciples was worried in the midst of the storm, they had Jesus in the boat. And then they told Jesus, don't you care that we perish? They woke him up. And the only thing Jesus did was say, peace be still. Jesus was asleep while the storm was going on. Why? Because he had that peace. And I'm asking you today, do you have God's kind of peace? Do you have Jehovah's Shalom? When you know that you have Jehovah's Shalom with you, you should know that because you've been raised with Christ. So everything he has, you have.
So we don't need to be looking at what the world has. We need to be looking at what heaven has. So it says that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So God wants us to be what? Spiritually minded. Now, let's look at this. It says that set your mind on things what? Above. So our mind have to be set on things above. And in order to find out about things above, it is through the word of God. This is why you have to constantly go into the word of God. Whatever situation you have, the word of God has already solved it. Only thing you have to do is go into the word and say, Lord, I'm going through this and I know that you are my answer. And I know that you will always answer me while I'm yet speaking. You have already answered me. So, God, I thank you that you are my answer. And you said you show me great and mighty things. We just have to take time out. For the word of God. We take time out for everything else. And we think that that's going to save us. When Jesus already saved us. We take time out for different gatherings. Come on y'all. When we gather together. We take time out to, to gather together. We take time out to you know go shopping. How many say you know I just need time for me. I just need time to get away from me. But the time that you're using for yourself. is Are you using it wisely? First thing should be time with God. If you put God at the beginning and the end, you got Alpha and Omega. You got everything you need in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. But if you get up and just go and do what you think you need to do, you're going to have some stuff, that's some stumbling blocks, some things that's going to come hit you. But if you put him first in the beginning of your day, everything that you need is already been supplied. I have... Um, Years ago, started to say, God, this is your day. This is the day that you have made. So, God, whatever you have planned for me in this day, this is what I want to do today. I don't want to go outside of what you plan because it's not going to do me any good. I don't want to put something in this day, God, that you would not have for me to do. I don't want to lay my hands to something that you don't want me to lay my hands to because these are your hands. I don't want to go where you don't want me to go. I only want to do what you want me to do. This is why when I wake up in the morning, I have to put him first. I have to put him first in the morning throughout my day because when something come up, I can call on him. And I can say, God, I don't know what to do about this. And I can be able to hear him the way I need to hear him because I've been seeking him all along and I know his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. So when you know his voice, it's because you have spent time with him. You, you recognize his voice because you're saying, God, I'm not moving. I need to hear from you. One thing that I have learned about studying God's word is, first of all, I have to deal with me. I have to go, first of all, talking to God for me. And what I mean for me is having that conversation with God, that one-on-one. Before I can even get anything for you guys, I got to go in and have that conversation with God. God, how are you doing today? God, what's on your heart today? God, how is your day going? Come on, y'all. We got to spend that time with God, you know, as our father. And as I spend time with God as my father, then I can say, okay, God, what you want for your people? God, what do you want me to bring forth for your people? Because God, it's not about me. It's all about you. So, God, you tell me what you want to bring forth. So I wait on him to let me know. And only thing that God does is he bring up out of you what you put in you. He lets you go back to where you've been. 
And if you've never been in the word, how are you going to go to the word? See, because you are a spiritual being. Your spirit is full of the word. But your soul is missing it. And this is the part of you that the devil went all over the place. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. He wanted all over the place. And what he does, y'all, when he find a weak area in your life, he's going to use that area for his advantage. He knows those areas that's in your life that's weak. So he's going to pull on those weak links to stop you moving forward in the things of God. This is why you got to spend time asking the Holy Spirit, search me. Show me the weak areas that's in my life that I need to go into the word of God so I can be strong in him and in the power of his might. Because God ain't about me. It's all about you. So those are the things that we have to do. So the first thing he said is set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. First John 2, 15 through 16 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for of the father is not in him. For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not of the father but of what? But of the world. So we have to make sure that we're not seeking worldly things, that we have not set our mind on worldly things. If you set your mind on something that you want to buy, and it's always before you every day, and you know it's nothing you can afford right now, but your mind is set on it, you're going to end up getting it. You're going to end up getting that very thing, but this is the thing that gets me. We can set our mind on something worldly, a material thing that we want, and we'll start saving money towards that thing. We'll start taking away from McDonald's teas or this restaurant or that restaurant, and we'll set aside that money for that thing, that worldly thing that we know we want. Eventually, we have enough money to get it. But when we come to the things of God, when it comes to paying tithes, do we set aside? Some of us don't. And the reason why we don't, because our mind ain't set on things above. Our mind ain't set on heavenly things. We put God last. We go get what we want, and then whatever's left, we throw it to God. Here, God. That's putting him in the back. When we should put him in the forefront. We should always put God first and foremost. I'm not telling you to take your light bill, your mortgage, and all of that, and and do with it give it to the church i would not dare tell you that some people say give your mortgage and trust god the devil is a lie you trust god with what you have in your paycheck and say god you know my heart this is what i want to give and you give it but you the bible say you owe no man nothing but to love him so you don't give somebody the church your mortgage and then praying oh lord i done gave my mortgage give me double for my trouble and then you outside and then you wonder why god didn't do his part That's not how you do that. You pay, home, you owe. So this is the next thing. So we set our mind on things above. So how do we do this? I'm going to go to our favorite scripture, Romans 12, 2. Do not be shaped by, conformed to, pressed into the mold by this world age. So you cannot be mindful of worldly things. You cannot set your mind on worldly things. You cannot be conformed to what the world is doing. That's not who you are. 
You are to be spiritually minded. You can't go after what the world has and not doing what the word of God is telling you to do. So it said, do not be conformed to this world. But then it says, but be ye transformed. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. This is the only way the transformation is going to take place. Just like a caterpillar. What was going on with the caterpillar? Oh, I think they're so ugly. But they just, ooh, you want to kill them, right? You want to kill them before they transform. But when they transform, they're such a beautiful butterfly. So when we get transformed, we're going to be changed into who we are for God. So it said, be transformed, be changed. How are you going to do it? By the renewing of your mind. Every time I say this scripture, it brings hurt. And the reason why it brings hurt, because people's minds are not being transformed and changed. How do I know? Because when you're still in offense, I know you ain't been transformed and changed. When you're still in bitterness, when you're still in jealousy, when you're still in envy, that means that you're carnally minded. That means that you're of the flesh. So this is what we don't want to happen in the church. We want to stay spiritually minded, so we have to feed on the word of God. When you're always offensive, when you're always thinking somebody's out to get you, when they're not out to get you, you're fleshly minded. When you are spiritually minded, you're going to pray for those, bless those who curse you, love those who hate you. You're not going to do like the world is doing. You're going to do like the word of God is telling you to do. So it says to be spiritually minded, not fleshly minded. But then it goes on to say, by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to decide, discern, test, and prove what God wants for you. Until your mind is transformed and changed, you will not be able to discern, test, and approve what God wants for you. This is the word. If you're not in the word of God the way you need to be, when somebody come and give you truth, you will not accept that truth. You will think they're against you. Because your mind ain't been transformed or changed. Even with the Holy Spirit nudging you, letting you know what they're saying is right, you have been so stubborn, so stuck on everybody's after me, That you're not hearing truth. This is why Jesus says sanctify them in truth. Set them apart in truth. That word is true. So you're going to have to have the word. Don't think everybody's against you because they're saying this to you. That don't mean they're against you. They're trying to help you. So if you're spiritually minded, you will receive that help. And if you don't yet understand it, you'll say, God, I'm just going to put it on the shelf, but I'm not going to hold that against them. So it says, then you will be able to decide, discern, test, and approve what God wants for you. It's God's will. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. You're not going to know what is good and pleasing and perfect to God until you get into the word. If you're not in the word, you're going to always be a troublemaker. If you're not in the word, you're going to always be a troublemaker. And I'm going to tell you what's happening in the church. We got so many strongholds in the church that it ain't funny. This is why the church is so stagnated. Because people are having so many strongholds in their lives due to a way of thinking. They have built fortresses up in their mind due to their way of thinking. They're thinking the wrong way. So when somebody is trying to come in and give you truth, it bounces off and people are still doing the same thing that they're doing. Or they'll say, I understand that won't happen again. Thank you for telling me, but guess what? I know it's coming again. Why? Because they're not renewing their mind. You could tell somebody you sorry, 
But until you go into the word of God and renew your mind according to the word of God, you're going to go right back and hate them again. You could tell somebody, I'm sorry for bringing offense, but if you don't go in the word of God and study up on offense and know what it brings, you're going to bring some more offense. Woe to the one that bring it, though. See, we have to be careful. Woe to the one that sets a snare, that sets a trap. That's what offense is. It's a snare. It's a trap that the enemy used to set for somebody, to make them stumble, to make them fall, until you get your mind renewed. And, y'all, it don't happen overnight. Because if you build a wall and you build a fortress up in your mind, guess what? It's going to take the word going in at all times. Going in at all times. This is why I say, for we walk not after the flesh. For though we live in the flesh, we're not carrying our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. So the war that we're in, we can't use human weapons. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they're mighty before God for the overthrowing, the destruction of strongholds. We have to take the word of God to overthrow, to tear it down, to tear down these fortresses that has been built up in our mind due to our way of thinking. It's like a wall. I want y'all to see a wall here. I want you to see a wall going all the way around me. A wall. And that wall is high. I can't go out and you can't come in. That's what a stronghold is. That means nobody can come in and you can't go out. That's just how the enemy got it barricaded barricaded in your mind the only way those walls can come down is with truth is with the word of God truth is going to come and it's going to uproot the the stuff that you have um, thought about that was against truth see the enemy is a deceiver he is a liar he wants you to think that you're hated by someone and they ain't even thinking about you so you don't build up a wall against that person thinking that they hate you and they're coming against you so you acting ugly against them you're jealous against them. You're rejecting them. And they ain't done nothing to you. Now you don't build a high wall like a defense city. Like bars of iron. And God even sent people to you to give you the truth. And you still won't let nobody in. You can't come out and they can't even come in. That's a stronghold. This is what this ministry is about. To root up. To tear down. Strongholds. Off of God's people. And see, if you ha- can withstand this ministry, you can go out and minister. Y'all don't get it, do you? See, this is why people look at me as being so, so different. The reason being is because God will show you where people are and he'll show you how to deal with people where they are. So if you don't know what ministry you are up under, I'm telling you, you're in trouble. Because if you know that this ministry is to root up and tear down, you should know that whoever God has given that to, they're going to see something in your life that they're going to tell you, you got to get rid of this or you're going to be stagnated. You can't move forward. How do I do it? Through the word of God. You got to go in the word day and night. You got to meditate on the word day and night. Then you're going to be like a tree that's beside a river of living water that no matter what comes, It may sway a little, but it's not going to be moved. So that's what this ministry is about, to root up, to tear down. God is showing you what's in your life that's keeping you from moving the way you need to move. And what the enemy wants you to do, he wants you to stay behind that fortified wall. He don't want you to come out 
And he don't want nobody to come in. Remember Jericho? How those walls were so high because they were scared of Israel. Nobody was coming in. Nobody was going out. But God had a plan. And when they did what God told them to do, the walls came tumbling down. So if you want the walls in your life to come come tumbling down, first of all, you got to know your position in him. You got to know who you are now that you're in him. You got to know your position in Christ. And when you know that, you're going to start seeking the kingdom. You're going to start seeking the kingdom's way of doing things, God's way of doing, God's way of being. And then you won't be so offensive. Then you'll know how to go in and come out when somebody do something to you that's not right. You're going to do what the word say. You're going to go to the brother. You're going to go to the sister because that's what the kingdom is about. This is how the kingdom operates. So we want to keep our mind set on things above and not on things of this earth. And then we want to literally get rid of, cast down, destroy every high thing. That's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. How are you going to know what's exalting itself against the knowledge of God? By getting into the word of God. If you ain't in the word of God, there's going to be division in the church. Because if one person is in the word, standing on the word and believing the word, and then some more people are not in it, they're going to come against the one that's in it. Because the devil's in the house. The devil uses whomever he need to use in the church to try to stop to stagnate the church from moving in the direction that God would have them to move so know your position know who you are now that you're in Christ keep your mind set on things above I don't care if it's a husband or wife sister brother father or mother set your mind on what you believe according to the word don't let them disturb you don't let them take you out of your position everything you can't tell in and everybody because they ain't where you are they're not where you are so guess what the enemy gonna do he gonna use them to take you out of position to take you out of the place that you're supposed to be in everything you cannot share with in and everybody because they'll talk against what god has given you some people not mature they're still babes and been like that for 20 years they're misquoting the word of God. And some people's grabbing hold to those misquotes and thinking it's God and it's not God. Know who you are. Know what the word is saying to you. And when you don't know, hush. Quit trying to do and say stuff when you don't know. It is too many churches that have appointed leaders that don't know. And trying to run something. When you don't know. You're going to have isms and schisms in the body of Christ. So set your mind on things above and not on things of this world. And the Holy Spirit is your helper to help you do that. Amen. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Do we have any announcements at this time? Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.